Welcome into Indisputable, it is Adrian Lawrence filling in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie and happy Monday. There may not be things to be happy about, especially if you're located in Florida. But one thing you should be happy about is the fact that I have Jessica Burbank here. Yes, that's right, Rebel HQ contributor and a TYT host. And so we are gonna take on the top news of the day and we are just going to go ahead and start in Florida. So what we have right now is a lot under investigation because Florida officials they're under fire right now for delaying the hurricane evacuation orders in an area of Florida called Lee County. Oh, But of course, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis claims that the delay was completely justified. Watch us. Why do you stand behind Lee County's decision to not have that mandatory evacuation until the day before the storm? Well, did you, where was your industry station when the storm hit? Were you guys in Lee County? No, you were in Tampa. So that's, you know, they were following the weather track and um, they had to make decisions based on that. But, you know, 72 hours, they weren't even in the cone. 48 hours, they were on the periphery. Uh, so you got to make the decisions the best you can. I will say, uh, you know, they delivered the message to people. They had shelters open. Uh, you know, everybody had adequate opportunity to at least get to a shelter within the county. Um, but, you know, a lot of the residents did not um, did not want to do that. I think for probably for various reasons, some people just don't want to leave their home, period. They're island people, whatever. But I think part of it was so much attention was paid to Tampa that I think a lot of them probably thought that they wouldn't get the worst of it. So, you know, they, um, but they did. And I think it's, um, it's easy to second guess them, but they were ready for the whole time and, um, and, and made that call when, when there was justifiable to do so. Yeah, it seems though that a lot of the residents in Lee County were not ready. And that's in part because county officials had issued their first mandatory evacuations back on Tuesday. And that was a day after several neighboring counties had issued their orders. And it was also less than 24 hours before the hurricane, Hurricane Ian, made its landfall. So people didn't have enough time. And as a result, Florida's death toll has been ticking upward, particularly as it concerns Lee County. We know this for CNN. Officials confirmed Ian has killed at least 76 people in Florida after it made landfall last week as a category four storm, decimating coastal towns, flooding homes, collapsing roofs, flinging boats into buildings and sending cars floating in the water and left behind. Many of the Ian related deaths, 42, have been reported in southwestern Florida's Lee County, which includes Fort Myers and Sanibel Island. Yes, that's right, Lee County has been hit very hard and they are searching for bodies and continually doing so. And CNN's Jim Acosta, well, he spoke to one Lee County resident who made this shocking statement about the rising death toll. Four doors down, um, their son's best friend is a Lee County Sheriff. They're finding hundreds of bodies now. That's what we're hearing. From it's not like 20s, it's hundreds of bodies now that they're getting in and looking. It's so sad. It's horrible, but our block, this block alone is, we're safe. Everybody's Again, mandatory evacuation orders did not come down until less than 24 hours before the hurricane touched down there in Lee County. And we know that Lee County District Commissioner of District 1, Kevin Ron, well, this is him here. He also defended the timing of the orders, calling the reports about a possible delay in issuing a mandatory evacuation inaccurate. Now, Ron, he cited earlier hurricane modeling, which had shown the storm heading farther north. But not only was Lee County in the predicted cone three days before landfall, well, surge risks for the county were apparent as early as Sunday. In fact, the county's emergency plan suggests that evacuations should have happened earlier. Now, this per the New York Times.
Lee County's emergency planning documents had set out a time is of the essence strategy, noting that the region's large population and limited road system made it difficult to evacuate the county swiftly. Over years of work, the county had created a phased approach that expands the scope of evacuations in proportion to the certainty of risk. Severe events may require decisions with little solid information, the document says. Yes, so the counties surrounding Lee County, they had their evacuation orders, their mandatory evacuation orders. So a lot of them were able to get out in time, but no, not Lee County. And of course, DeSantis is blaming residents, saying people just didn't wanna leave their home, that they had good enough notice. No, because knowing there's a hurricane coming, being told you can do what you will is a lot different than a mandatory evacuation order, Jessica. Yeah, they had the recommendation that these folks should be evacuated and they decided to delay anyway. And it just goes to show that these folks response to climate change, which is going to lead to more intense storms and more climate disasters. Their strategy is to simply just let people die. If you look at the footage of what's going on in Lee County right now, you'll see trailer parks that are just decimated. This is disproportionately affecting working people and it's disproportionately affecting communities of color. And it's the same approach that the DeSantis administration took during the pandemic. They wanted to downplay the death toll. They underreported the amount of people who died who were people of color. And they're running pretty much the same playbook when it comes to these storms. And DeSantis is saying, you know, we did everything we could. They wanted to stay, they were island people. If there was a mandatory evacuation and they stayed anyway, you could say something like that. But these folks who are in a position of power made a deliberate decision. The blood is on their hands. They decided to say, you know what, it's it's safe if you stay. That's the message that that sends and the consequence is hundreds of people dying. They're saying the death toll just topped 100 when you've got people on the ground saying there are bodies everywhere. And it's actually hundreds of people. So what's going on there is disgusting. And it should be corporations that have decided to sell oil, to sell gas and profit tremendously off of that. That's led to the global heating of our planet. They should have to pay for the negative externalities of what they've profited off of doing. So when you're you're out selling oil, you have the consequence of emitting a ton of carbon, which is leading to the heating of our planet and it's leading to increased disasters. And the acuity of these disasters means more and more people are going to die as you know the planet warms and storms get more severe. The the corporations that have polluted the planet and emitted a ton of carbon and profited off of it should be footing a part of the bill to help these people relocate to somewhere that is livable. Yeah, you would think so. And I know that there are countries out there, I believe it was Pakistan, that is demanding that they be paid or compensated in some way, largely from capitalistic cultures that as a result of their contributions to our pollution and everything that's going on with global warming, that it's being footed by those who are black, brown and largely impoverished. And the thing is, is that we know in Florida as it concerns the leadership there, they are going to delay, delay, delay and deny, deny, deny. But of course, they're also gonna to appeal to their donors because while people in Lee County are looking for their loved ones, well, DeSantis, the governor, he was spotted in Naples, Florida on Sunday where he was boasting about his work with the Florida Baptist Relief to provide food and water to the residents. And of course, he's out there wearing his DeSantis re-election campaign gear, which of course an elections attorney, Juan Carlos Planas, observed on Twitter that that's pretty, what, illegal? Juan Carlos Planas had tweeted out he is wearing a campaign shirt while handing out food donated by a charity. That's pretty clear violation of campaign finance laws and of IRS laws regarding the charity. 
Mm, that kind of sounds spot on and something I would expect from DeSantis. And I'm sure he's going to claim I was in a hurricane. We didn't have very many clothes and so I just had to wear this. Whatever it is, it is clearly not necessarily going to be accurate and very much a reflection of hypocrisy. Speaking of hypocrisy, well, the Florida representatives on the federal level, they have equally been pushing their agenda before the people, of course, because it's party before people. And in fact, well, the congressional representatives there in Florida, they all voted against FEMA aid. Yeah, Matt Gates voted no to a bill that carved out cash for FEMA to give to Floridians. But in a tweet on Sunday, guess what Gates did? Of course, he appealed for help. Uh, for the hurricane, he said, Dear Congress, on behalf of my fellow Florida man in grave need of assistance, just send us like half of what you sent Ukraine, signed your fellow Americans. And Gates wasn't alone in that, uh, along with 200 other Republicans, this per the insider. They voted against a stopgap measure that sought to fund the government through December. Among other provisions, the bill also gave 18.8 billion to FEMA's disaster relief fund, 12 billion in aid to Ukraine, and 112 million to beep up security for federal courts. Yes, meanwhile, in the Senate, well, Senator Mark Rubio and Senator Rick Scott, both the Florida people, well, they sent a joint letter to the Senate Appropriations Committee asking for billions in aid. But then, of course, Scott voted against the $18.8 billion package that would have gone for the Floridians. And also Rubio, well, he just failed to show up. And when he was asking about his voting record, when he was asked, well, this is what Rubio had to say. Senator, you wrote a letter Friday to the Senate Appropriations Committee asking for disaster relief dollars for desperately needed resources to rebuild Florida communities. After Hurricane Sandy hit northeastern states in 2012, you voted no on a $50 billion relief package. I know you supported a smaller version, but why should other senators vote for relief for your state when you didn't vote for a package to help theirs? Oh, I've always voted for hurricane and disaster relief. I've even voted for it without pay for it. What I didn't vote for in Sandy is because they had included things like a roof for a museum in Washington, D.C., for fisheries in Alaska. It had been loaded up with a bunch of things that had nothing to do with disaster relief. And I wouldn't support disaster relief efforts. I would never put out there that we should go use a disaster relief package for Florida as a way to pay for all kinds of other things people want around the country. So I think that's the key in moments like this. And, and Sandy, unfortunately, they loaded it up. They really did with well, a bunch of things that had nothing to do with Sandy. But I voted for every disaster relief package, especially the, that's clean. And I'll continue right. to do so when it comes to Florida. I'll do that again. And we'll make sure that that package is clean and doesn't have stuff for other people in there. I read the Congressional Research Service report last night. It sounds like that roof actually was damaged by the hurricane. And what happened in Alaska was the result of another disaster. But in any event, my question is about the future. Are you telling me that if Hurricane Ian relief contains anything that smells like pork, you'll vote no? Sure, I'll fight against it having pork in it, that's the key. Yeah, sure. Well, when it comes to pork, I definitely think there are a lot of pigs out there. Uh, and the GOP has a number of them because again, Rubio did not vote to help Florida in the recent vote just the other day. That's right, he didn't even show up. But of course, Rubio would go on to praise FEMA for its work in Florida, check this out. And how is how's FEMA doing? Is Florida getting everything it needs right now from the Biden administration? 
Yeah, FEMA, they've all been great. As I said, the federal response from day one has been very positive, as it's always been in the past, and we're grateful for that. It's evident that Florida GOP is playing all sorts of politics, but definitely not looking out for the people. Jessica. Yeah, there couldn't be anything more glaringly obvious than DeSantis doing all of these press engagements, taking a photo in a shirt with his election logo on it, just holding styrofoam containers, presumably of food, doing charity work. You've got people like Marco Rubio saying, I didn't vote for that bill because it included other things. As this newscaster pointed out, those were things being done to resolve some of the damage done by the storm. It's ridiculous how they can vote to pass all of these defense bills without paying for is like he says he's looking for. And then when it comes to disaster relief, they're unconcerned and they wanna sell this message that they care about their constituents. They care about photo ops, they care about staying in power, they care about playing politics far more than they care about the people they represent. And I hope that some of the constituents that are feeling the pain caused by this storm see exactly what they're doing. But unfortunately, we're in this place where people have been manipulated by these elected officials. They like what they say on air and that's enough for them. These are supposed to be public service servants responsible for ensuring public goods reach their constituents. And they haven't been doing that for quite some time. And I'm not sure what it's gonna take, but after enough storms and a lack of response, I'm sure people will wake up to what's really going on in Florida. Yes, without a doubt, people need to wake up and hopefully use their power in the voting booth and bring in new leadership because it's a problem. We've seen this recently, particularly with the migrant efforts that Governor Ron DeSantis has engaged in. And when speaking of migrants, and it turns out who is actually here to help Floridians, well, it appears that it's Venezuelan migrants. Yeah, that's right, they're being transported from New York City reportedly to Florida to help with the hurricane aid cleanup. Now the migrants had scant information about whom they'd be working for, but they still got into vans in Queens, New York and came down. This is what we know. So they want us for hurricane cleanup. We'd get paid $15 an hour overtime and $15 for daily food, I think, said Javier Moreno, 37, noting that a woman named Camilla from an organization approached him with a flyer. Now, others had also mentioned this Camilla woman who had recruited them as well. Jesario, uh, I believe, Avia, 22, said he came from Venezuela and entered the US through Texas before being bused to Gotham. Avila said a lady here had offered him and others work in Tampa. A driver in one of the vans at the designated pickup site said he was under contract with a water and debris company. The firm did not answer its phone despite repeated attempts to call by the post. Also, one migrant woman said she learned of the vans and potential work from group chats that the migrants are in. We all decided we should go, she said, asked who was offering the work. She said, I don't know anything, sweetheart. Yeah, some of these migrants said that they are learning about the opportunity from a WhatsApp ad, believe it or not. And a spokesperson for Mayor Eric Adams there in New York said City Hall was not involved in the transport of any migrants. And Florida officials did not return requests for comment. And it's so incredibly interesting as we know that Governor Ron DeSantis did that completely inhumane effort to bring migrants from Texas to Martha's Vineyard those few weeks ago. Even though those migrants hadn't set foot in Florida, yet it's migrants now who are going to Florida to help. 
And as far as that Martha's Vineyard story goes, we have an update that the recruiting person has been identified. They were able to find out who this person was who had recruited those migrants to get on the plane to go to Martha's Vineyard. Now, the New York Times reported Sunday that the woman is Perla Huerta, a former combat medic and counterintelligence agent who was discharged in August after two decades in the US Army. That included several deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan, according to military records. Now, a Venezuelan migrant working with Huerta to recruit other migrants had confirmed her identity. The man who agreed to speak on the condition that his name not be used said he first met Ms. Huerta on September 10th outside of the Migrant Resource Center in San Antonio. She asked him to help her recruit other migrants like him from Venezuela, but he said he felt betrayed because she never mentioned working on behalf of the Florida government. I was also lied to, he said, if I had known I would not have gotten involved. All he was told, he said, was that she wanted to help people head up north. Yeah. That Huerta woman, she is based out of Tampa, Florida. And we don't necessarily know her status with Hurricane Ian, but it's a hell of a thing knowing that the Venezuelan migrants are coming to the aid of Floridians, especially given all the efforts that Ron DeSantis did to exploit and dehumanize the Venezuelan migrants that he picked up in Texas and took to Martha's Vineyard. Jessica. It's amazing that we're at a point in our history where a lot of the dominant narratives we've told Americans for years and years and years are no longer standing up to the evidence of what goes on every day in our country. So this was a counterintelligence agent, no doubt. Involved in some capacity with the, the coups we did in Latin America through the latter part of the last century. And who we have as migrants doing this labor are refugees from countries we attempted to coup during the time that she was working as a counterintelligence agent. That is insane. We also have this reality where, where we're always told, you know, they're coming for your jobs, they're replacing your work, there's not enough jobs to go around. Here you have them transporting people from New York to Florida to work on the hurricane relief effort. Their labor is needed clearly in this country. But let's also point out that $15 an hour in most places around the country today is not enough to live on. And so it's this exploitation precisely probably at the hands of the government considering she's a counterintelligence agent. We're not sure who put her up to this, but I would not be surprised to find out it's linked to the DeSantis administration or a federal agency to get these people to go down there to help. But it's just that we have these narratives that immigrants are coming to steal your jobs. That's just an argument that's founded in racism. There are more than enough jobs to go around. We could have a public option for employment and have people on call when there's a disaster to go off and do that work. And we have this illusion that there are not enough jobs to go around and people don't want to work when the reality of the situation is there are more than enough jobs to go around. We just need to pay workers a living wage. And it's not a problem that refugees are crossing the border because it's our state led violence that led them to becoming refugees. Yeah, it's so interesting. It's all very cyclical, but I love the fact that there are plenty of jobs, just not enough decent employers. That seems to be a very, very American issue. And hopefully someday it'll be one that we overcome. But until then, as Dr. Ritchie says, stick and stay.
Welcome back to Indisputable, Adrian Lawrence filling in for Dr. Ritchie. And we do have an initiative for you to get involved in. It's about Mississippi. We know that they were purportedly or purposefully, excuse me, left behind with a crisis that's still unresolved and we really wanna help. So go to tyt.com slash relief to make a contribution to the National Clean Water Collective. That's for clean water and testing kits to help those in Jackson, Mississippi. Again, that's tyt.com slash relief. All right, let's listen what y'all gotta say. Okay, so as far as it concerns the Florida officials delaying the hurricane evacuation, Rialon N says, always going to be, always going on the offensive. How about you own up to your mistakes? Oh God, that would be so difficult, so difficult. I'd say just for mankind. Uh, Ukami313 says, but wait, DeSantis, Death Santas, said only a couple of people died, only a couple, not that big a deal special. And Lynn says, will the Florida hurricane death numbers be as quote unquote accurate as their reported COVID deaths? It's a really good question. As far as the Florida representatives voting against the aid package, well, Thunderstrike 67 says, look at him unflinching and lie with a straight face. Yeah, talking about Mark Rubio. Ricardo Cano says, Rubio might wanna consider growing a Ted Cruz beard. So much pasting is happening here. Yeah, and all of that duplicity and just the lies, my God, the man's can't even animate. Mickey C, the silver haired dragon says, Republicans will call anything that doesn't put money in their pockets pork. If some of that pork is ways to mitigate climate change, they'll vote against it and spew that it was pork. Mm-hmm. Cray Cray Souffle says, yeah, campaign violations, thief, tax fraud, threats of violence, all done in plain sight with smiles on their faces. And none of these disgusting political trash bags won't spend a minute in jail or prison. So damn frustrating, absolutely. As far as the migrants being lured from New York to Florida to help with the hurricane cleanup, well, Alejandra Maldon, Mexia says, unfortunately, I'm just waiting on the inevitable police arrest of migrants in Tampa, exactly or worse. We know how this will end. It's wild, it's just crazy. Uh, Mike Boy Raps says, you mean they needed migrants to work in order to stabilize their economy and complete essential work? Isn't it interesting how that works? It just, I, I, I really do not know with a lot of these representatives out here in leadership who are unwilling to maybe acknowledge a fact, but would prefer to hate monger, yeah. Hate is a very powerful thing. And apparently a lot of Karens have them. So mm, I wish a Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're gonna feel great, back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African-American man button in my lips. What's that? You took my lawn up! Is that your lawn? That's my lawn! Okay. You took it up! All right. What are you gonna do about it? Okay. You're not supposed to come across my lawn anymore. It's my property. Where's the property line? At the wall. It is? Okay. Yeah. All right. You should know that. No, I don't know that. Then you should know. Well, you should talk to the builder. That's then nice. don't go back across. That's nice language. You know what? You're an ass. You're usually a nice guy, but that's my property. And you just ruined it. Oh, homeowning Karens, they are really special people, especially when they are talking about this phantom property line that nobody can really see. But of course, this wasn't the end of it for this gentleman. Check this out. Something. You stay off my property. Let me tell you something. Stay off my property. You better be careful what stay you say. Property. Okay? You're on it, by the way. You are out of control. You're out of my property. Look at you. You're on my property. Are you sure do you know where the property line is? I just had a Survey, see the peg? See that right there? That's your steak? 
That steak. That steak's yours? Where? That one right there? The wine is strong in this one. He is so incensed and full of it. And the thing is, of course, we got one more for you. Hey, Sean! There's an easement right here. Just because this is an easement, I could have come right through here. We just paid. We just paid. There's work done. You want this on. Not yours. That's a drainage easement right there. Right there is a drainage easement. It's on the other side of that. It's right there. Show me how to come out. Yeah. He just went across my backyard. Watch the big work. We'll fix it. Do you really pay it for this? That I got. Do you think that I wouldn't fix something? I could have came through here, the easement, but I it didn't. Is it. This is a public easement. You're not a public person. I am a public person. You're not a public person. That's a public easement for the city. It is a drainage easement. Yeah. It's for the city, not you. It's for whoever does work. Oh and we work for the city. Uh, yeah. You don't work for the city. I yeah, want to do. see that. Let me see your contract, you liar. You work for him. You're gonna give yourself a heart attack there, buddy. You, over nothing. Ooh, those dad jeans, uh, they, they're fitted around the waist, I'm guessing, because this man is really acting like he is suffering and on the struggle bus. And I do all love all of these real estate terms, easement, whatnot. They remind me of what first year property law in law school. Uh, yeah, public easement, generally it means members of the public can use it. So it's interesting how that man then tells the contractor that he can't use it. Very interesting. I think he definitely wanted to scream. Uh, what are your thoughts, Jessica? Yeah, I think you're right that he definitely wanted to scream. It's this weird thing where it's like, do you have not enough going on in your life? You need more struggle in your life. If someone driving a piece of construction equipment over your property gets you this angry, it's crazy how people will defend their property like this. And I love that the guy stayed calm. He's like, you're gonna give yourself a heart attack. That is the best part about this video. The other thing that I noticed is when they pan out towards the front, you can see that the house across the street looks identical to this house. This is definitely one of those neighborhoods where it's cookie cutter houses. Me and my friends call them ticky tackies, like the Pete Seeger song, Little Boxes. I'm not sure if you originally wrote it, but it's all of the houses that look exactly the same. And it's like, what are we living for? So we can all live in a house that looks exactly the same, stay in our little box and protect our little plot of land. Like, is this meaningful? Is this worth you know, verbally assaulting another human being over? I think when we think about it for a couple more seconds, it's like, this could have been resolved pretty fast. It could have been like, all right, let's look at the landlines. Were you in a place where you could have been driving it? Very simple, didn't need to go down like this. But there's people like this all over the place. And I like the idea of a male Karen. I think that's exactly what this was. Yeah, I often call them Connors, but either way, they are <laughs> trouble. And of course, they don't stop. Because um, I know we're on the East Coast there and we're gonna stay there because we're gonna turn to Jersey where there was another, definitely seems to be somewhat of a male Karen, if not a very criminal one. Uh, because there is a New Jersey man who really uh, shocked some people when he was caught urinating and defecating on the grave of his ex-wife. Yeah, 
and of course, it's her children who caught him. So essentially, they had to investigate to figure out why are we seeing all of this urine and these feces just show up places. And this started, this started all back in April when Michael Murphy and his sister, well, they started finding again, deli bags full of feces at their mother's headstone at her gravesite. And they initially thought it may have been left behind by a careless dog walker or something. But then um, what? They were able to get a camera, that's right. Murphy and his family then got the green light from the cemetery to install cameras to catch the culprit. Now the camera timestamp recently showed a man coming to the grave with his wife waiting in the car around 6.15 AM, four consecutive days in a row. On the fifth day, Murphy propped his camera on a nearby headstone and shot video of the suspect. Now a man, he says, is his mother's ex-husband who she divorced four decades ago, I'm talking like sometime in the 1970s. As far as the motive goes, well, the 68 year old defecation suspect was briefly married to Lisa Torello is her name back in the 70s. And he was identified by the family and his name is Dean Eichler, excuse me, who left when Torello got pregnant claiming that the child wasn't his. Now DNA testing showed a much different result and his biological daughter was shocked by her father's actions. I guess the dad, took some issue. So after catching this man on video, well, this is what the insider says. Murphy and his sister immediately went to the police and showed them the footage. That day, a charge of public urination was filed by Orange Orangetown Police Department. But Murphy thought the misdemeanor charge wasn't harsh enough. I said public urination and that's when I lost it, Murphy explained. So I took to social media. I said, that's it, I'm going to humiliate this man. I'm going to out him in his community. And that's exactly what she did. And now this story is making the rounds. I can't believe that that man had been with a woman for a short amount of time, divorced her, I believe in 1974, and claimed that the child wasn't his, left her. Turns out the child was his and she moved on with her life. And yet after she had died, he has the nerve to go to her headstone, urinate and defecate on it. And he has a what, wife waiting in the car? Yeah, this, this is very scary. This person has issues. A public urination charge is not enough. There needs to be additional charges because this person definitely, mm, there's something wrong. Jessica? Uh, 50 years, it's been 50 years since they were married. He's held a grudge that long. Here's the thing, doesn't matter what she did, how she hurt you. When you're hurt, you've got to forgive and move on and heal for yourself. You're spending time doing this to her grave. That's the thing, it doesn't matter what someone did to you. You're only hurting yourself by holding on to a grudge this long. But it seems like she didn't even really wrong him. It sounds like they got a divorce because he thought a kid that was his wasn't his. This is not a sane person and it's interesting the approach of public shame because the charge wasn't enough. I think if we made the crimes people committed when they're this violating towards another human being or their crimes of violence, sometimes public accountability is a better deterrent than people you know, going to jail. Not that going to jail is fun, but there are some people that are caught up in the system and very used to it. And there's an effectiveness of when someone violates a social contract, we all agree we shouldn't live our lives hurting other people and disrespecting other people. And when people in your community know what you've done, that's almost a better system of accountability than the justice system that we have right now. So I like that this this is an element in the story. But yeah, public urination, that's not all that he did, first of all. So that's not fully accurate. But yeah, just disgusting that he would hold a grudge this long. This is someone who's Seriously. very sick.
Yeah, absolutely. If I could hit him with destruction of property, trespassing, all sorts of other things. And it's also my understanding from some other articles that I had read that because there is crap found in these deli bags. And the thing is, is that I believe he works in a deli several towns away or over in the neighboring town. So it's like there was so much evidence here in terms of finding this man. And I think it's great that they had the cameras up, but he really does need to face some serious charges because he's it's a disgusting human being. And there really needs to be better mental health guidance for you know, people out there because this is just not it. But I'm sure we will have more individuals who we will all agree need some kind of mental health evaluation or are just evil for you. And as Dr. Richie says, stick and stay. Welcome back to Indisputable. It's Adrian Lawrence filling in for Dr. Rashad Richie. And I hope you are ready for Unbossed with Nina Turner because it is on its way this month. Subscribe to Unbossed with Nina Turner and get ready to tune in daily at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, starting on October 17th. Nina's gonna expose how the elites in government media and other sectors game the system and what people can do to fix the corruption. You can sign up, go to youtube.com slash Unboss TYT, I can dig it. All right, let's see what y'all gotta say. So as far as the whiny male Karen goes, the Connor loses it on their excavator operator neighbor. Well, dissident PM says Roger Ebert's brother is bringing level 11 Karen energy, big, big, big energy. Shade Dragon said, I've heard a pit bull on a chain that sounded like that. It was barking at squirrels. In a tree, yeah. I am socks. Is you really don't want to start talking about property lines and drainage without knowing exactly what you're talking about? It's more like you're going to cause yourself problems and also retaliation because those contractors they know what they're doing, and all of a sudden, boop, something could come out, cost you thousands of dollars. Gomez four two zero, or I think that's just four twenty four twenty. Well, he said, or she said, did he not hear them doing all the work, or did he just wait until it was torn out? Good question. As far as the New Jersey man. Desecrating on his ex-wife's grave. Vincent Morales says some people mourn differently. Yeah, some people are just psychotic. Owen the Schmoopy Dragon says, I can picture him. Babe, get in the car. We're going to the cemetery. I have to take a dump. Nick Wax said, I mean, that may be one of the longest grudges I've ever heard of. Absolutely. And very much indicative of somebody who got problems and who really, really needs to be under control. And speaking of that, We'll jump down south to the Brazilian presidential election. Believe it or not, with more than 99% of the votes counted last night, well, the results showed that left-wing candidate and former president Luiz Inacio Lula da Silva had a slight lead over the right-wing incumbent, that's President Jair Bolsonaro. And if you've been paying attention, Bolsonaro, mm, well, big fan of Trump, also big fan of fascism, hate, and all sorts of other things. And we want to pay attention to these things because as much as they are not our necessary neighbor or right in our backyard, the reality is the world is as is this problem with fascism. So with Bolsonaro, who is the current incumbent president, he has routinely discredited the Brazilian electoral system and threatened not to accept its election results. Where do you think he got that tactic from? Hmm, maybe it's from this gentleman here who decided to go ahead and endorse Bolsonaro despite being in a whole different country. People of Brazil, you have a great opportunity to reelect a fantastic leader, a fantastic man, One of the great presidents of any country in the world, President Bolsonaro. He's done an absolutely incredible job with your economy, with your country. He's respected by everybody all throughout the world. So I strongly endorse 
President Bolsonaro, he will be your leader for hopefully a long time. He has taken your country to great heights. And again, your country is now respected because of him all over the world. So go out and vote for Bolsonaro. Yeah, so Bolsonaro is using that endorsement video from Trump to try to maybe get himself a few more votes, all while discrediting the election system there itself. A very, very Trumpian move. Also, Bolsonaro would post bizarre videos of himself trying to motivate his followers to vote. Check this one out. I'm all for leaders dancing and living their best lives, but that, that wasn't it, it damn sure wasn't it. And there's a reason I think they call him the Trump of the tropics, something like that. Well, Bolsonaro's administration, it really reflects a rise in fascism that is reflected around the world, this per CNN. His government is known for its support for ruthless exploitation of land in the Amazon, leading to record deforestation figures. Environmentalists are warning that the future of the rainforest could be at stake in this election. Bolsonaro has also been widely criticized for his handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. More than 686,000 people in Brazil have died from the virus. And in 2018, the election of Bolsonaro, well, that wasn't awesome either. Who would He would go on to suggest that coronavirus vaccines could turn people into crocodiles and make women grow beards. Was significantly facilitated by an obsessive right-wing campaign to demonize and criminalize the PT under the guise of anti-corruption, before Lula himself was imprisoned in April 2018 on trumped up charges produced by that same campaign, he had been the favorite to win that year's presidential race. Also, we know Bolsonaro has called for violence. This man is just Trump with probably an actual authentic real tan. But it's equally in terms of the violence, in terms of the lack of democracy, the focus on fascism, the rise and the potential that we are going to destroy our planet, especially if the rainforest is even more cut back and destroyed. This election is extremely critical for I would say a lot of the globe, especially with this rise in fascism, Jessica. Insane that Bolsonaro has decided to literally burn land in the Amazon. The Amazon is so important. Trees absorb carbon and output oxygen. The Amazon is so important for our climate as a globe that it's been called the lungs of the world. And what did he do? He burned part of the Amazon so that that land could be used to raise cattle so that they could continue to export beef. He's literally jeopardizing our future as a species for short term profits. Lula was extremely popular. He had a 90% approval rating when he stepped out of office in 2011. He lifted millions of Brazilians out of extreme poverty. And they got him in 2017 on a corruption charge that was related to the nationalized oil company. Now, the Supreme Court ruled in 2021 that that should be annulled. So that's what gave Lula a chance to run again. And he beat Bolsonaro in this, you know, essentially a primary election equivalent in Brazil by 6 million votes. It's crazy 
that they have to now have a runoff election. Because what I think we're going to see happen is state run propaganda campaigns on behalf of Bolsonaro. We might see Lula deplatformed. He has an extremely popular social media presence and TikTok page. We might to start we might start seeing those videos not get pushed. I think they're gonna do really dirty tactics to push propaganda and try and ensure that Lula doesn't win in this runoff when he've just clearly he's demonstrated he's far more popular than Bolsonaro, but I'm really scared to see what's going to happen ahead of the next election. Absolutely, and it is very scary in light of Bolsonaro's past calls for violence. For example, we know that Bolsonaro called on his supporters to fill the streets on September 7th in order to back his fabricated claims that the October elections will be rigged by the electoral court in favor of the front runner. That's former Workers Party President Lula, who we've been talking about. Menacingly, Bolsonaro told the crowd to go to the streets one last time to target the Supreme Court, whose members he called a few black clad deaf people who must understand what is the voice of the people, must understand the executive alongside Congress. Yes, that's right, he is calling for violence and just like Trump with his MAGA, he has his minions who are willing to engage in all of this just melee in order to try to overthrow the government or maintain governmental control. And we also know election fraud, that the accusations that he makes also have been disproven by authorities. This per CNN, there have been no proven instances of voter fraud in the electronic ballot in Brazil. The Supreme Electoral Court has also rejected claims of flaws in the system as false and untruthful with no base in reality. Yeah, does that sound familiar? Someone who is out there calling the system rigged simply because he's not slated to win or he does not win. And having the numbers show that he, that he actually has a fighting chance. And now that they're moving to a runoff election with Lula, it's very scary because we know the lengths that Bolsonaro will go to in order to hold on to control. And this is all the rise in fascism. Jessica, any last thoughts? Yeah, Brazil is the fourth largest democracy in the world. They have a huge population and they were overwhelmed by the amount of people who showed up to vote. 123 million people showed up and the lines, the queues for voting were so long. I can imagine a world where they don't adjust their infrastructure when it comes to voting to take in the amount of people who want to participate in the election. And they allow people to wait in very long lines. They have a really sophisticated way to confirm people's identity when they're voting, which is another reason why the lines were so long. But seriously, open up more polling locations ahead of October. That's what should be done to ensure this election is held and is valid. And if they actually care about the potential of election fraud, or people not being able to cast their ballots and people not being able to have their voice heard in democracy, make it so that it's a little bit easier to vote. Because you can imagine if you're a regular working person, you don't have a lot of time to wait in a queue for hours. You've got to get home, you've got to get to work, you've got to feed your family. And so that's really scary because I'm not hopeful that the current people in power in Brazil will prepare themselves to actually hold a free and fair election come the end of October, which is very scary. But I hope that the people in Brazil really put public pressure on their government to ensure that this is precisely what happens. We know that power will concede nothing without a demand and there's a really strong progressive movement in Brazil. And I hope those people get in the streets and make sure they can exercise their democratic rights so they get someone in office who will actually fight for them and do right by what's going on in Amazon. Lula's got a huge responsibility 
sustainability. He's said that he's committed to reducing carbon emissions and protecting the Amazon. Everyone around the world has something at stake with this election to get Bolsonaro out and Lula in. Absolutely, yes. And so we can't just cross our fingers. We actually need to stay locked in and fully, fully remind ourselves that we need democracies to hold steadfast. Because right now with that rise of fascism, it is very scary what could happen for the future of our world. And let's hope there will not be a battle over that. But there will be a break right now. So as Dr. Ritchie says, stick and stay. It's Adrian Lawrence filling in for Dr. Richie. Welcome back to Indisputable. And I hope you all are queued up to watch the watch list. Yeah, that's right. Add the watch list to your watch list and join JR Jackson live weekdays, 12 Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. You can watch live daily and subscribe at youtube.com slash watchlist.tyt. Let's check out what y'all got to say about Bolsonaro and Lula facing off in Brazil's runoff election. Winston Sayer says, so stupid that we're still fighting fascism. I know. Isn't it? But hey, people want power. Pitchfork Dragon says, imagine being like, well, if Cinnamon Hitler endorsed him. Exactly, like that's gonna be persuasive, super weird. Willie Gus says, uh, fundraising idea, pay me or I dance again. <laughs> that's a good one. See uh, Michael Hinton, thanks for the $2 shout out. Uh, endorsed by Trump, but dances better than Trump. Yeah, something there and that does not say much. And speaking of Trump, there are some of his minions out there who aren't very happy. Yeah, that's right. So over 30 individuals who are held in the DC jail who participated in the January 6th insurrection on the US Capitol are asking to be sent to another prison, a particular island prison specifically because they don't like the conditions there in the DC jail. This for Vice News. January 6 defendants held in the DC jail, so called Patriot Wing, are demanding to be transferred to Guantanamo Bay's military prison, which is notorious for human rights abuses because they think it would have better amenities. Yeah, I'm sure it's a four star prison. Anyway, well, 34 detainees who are either awaiting trial or serving sentences in connection with the violent riot on the Capitol signed a letter reasserting their outrage over the conditions in the federal correctional facility in Washington, D.C. The letter, which we got pictures of, well, it reads, we hereby request to spend our precious and limited days should the government continue to insist on holding us captive unconstitutionally as pretrial attendees to be transferred and reside at Guantanamo Bay. The 34 detainees were shocked that a country that ensures liberty and justice for all would subject its own people to such hellacious conditions and medieval standards of living like those of the DC jail. It also includes standard complaints of American jails like mold, rust, pest, and so on. This more from Vice News. Well, the letter also rattles off more unusual criticisms like critical race theory or re-education propaganda on the tablets provided to inmates being shocked by jail staff with Kamala Harris related attire or receiving punishment for expressing any political views whatsoever. But the January 6th defendants have a sunnier perception of Guantanamo Bay or Gitmo, which they wrote provides nutritional meals and top notch medical care and is respectful of religious requirements. They also note that they are centers for exercise and entertainment there, despite the fact that those residents are malicious terrorists. It's really interesting. I wonder where they got these lies about Guantanamo Bay. It's 
maybe like they've been listening to Fox News and they think that it's going to be better than the DC facilities. Um, I actually think it would be rather interesting and entertaining to send them there so that they can maybe get a real sense of the truth. But I still wonder at some point if it will register with them that they have been bamboozled, swindled, um, whatever it is, but they've been lied to. And yeah, it's, it's not really any better at Guantanamo Bay to my knowledge, Jessica. Uh, it's crazy that now these folks, uh, they've decided that being a pretrial detainee is unconstitutional now that it impacts them. There's been a movement to abolish cash bail and point out that supposedly we have the presumption of innocence in our society and you shouldn't be held in jail unless you've been convicted of a crime. We've been saying this forever, but now that it affects them, suddenly they care. This is the problem with people who support Donald Trump because our jails have been in a terrible condition for quite some time now and they really will never care unless it personally affects them. But hey, wherever you know the movement takes you, I'm glad that you're here now. And I hope that you continue to fight the good fight to end pretrial detention and fight for better conditions for people who are in the pretrial system in the United States. Because this is ridiculous to say I need to be held in Guantanamo Bay where we hold terrorists. They really see themselves as these profound political prisoners who have stood up against the US government. No, you guys are run of the mill criminals. You should stay in the DC jail. And if you really cared about the conditions of our justice system, you would have been fighting for this for far longer than the moment you were put in handcuffs and put in jail. So it's just disgusting the hypocrisy here. These are the same people that have been following a racist leader. And it's people just like Donald Trump that have led to our jails being in these conditions where disproportionately black people and people of color are put in these jails. So it's just the irony is palpable here. It's it is very much so. And so is kind of the racism, because as far as I'm concerned, that's why they weren't advocating for change of those systems. They were aware based on the many complaints that they are intolerable, substandard and dehumanizing living conditions that these prisons, that this is what they are. Yet they were okay when it's just housing black and brown people. Oh, totally okay. They can live in those in that squalor, but for them, Predominantly white men, Oh God, no, how could we? This isn't right. So this seems very on par for who they are. And you know what's also on par, Ron DeSantis's take on slavery. Yeah, the Florida governor, he was heavily criticized by historians very recently for a, shall we say, historical, a historical remark that he made about slavery. Check this out. We are required to teach slavery, the post reconstruction and segregation, civil rights. Those are core parts of American history that should be taught, but it should also be taught accurately. For example, the 1619 Project is a CRT version of history. It's supported by the New York Times. They want to teach our kids that the American Revolution was fought to protect slavery, and that's false. We know why the American Revolution was fought. They wrote pamphlets. We saw them dump tea into the Boston Harbor. We saw them meet in Philadelphia, and we have the records of why they revolted against King George III. And so it was the American Revolution that caused people to question slavery. No one had questioned it before we decided as Americans that we are endowed by our creator with unalienable rights and that we are all created equal. Then that birth abolition movements. So you can't teach history that's being used to pursue an ideological agenda. You can't teach 
that the foundations of our country uh, were somehow evil. Our, our founders pledged their lives, fortune, sacred honor, and they put a marker in the sand. Not everything lived up to it right away. Of course not. But every major movement in our country's history has gone right back to those core principles. So we want to teach history, all history. It's got to be accurate, though. And we are not going to be in a situation um, where we're taking George Washington's name off schools, taking down statues of Thomas Jefferson. And that's what those people who want CRT wanted do oh yeah that that, that was a, a colorful rendition of history and believe me i am no historian but i definitely know when someone is missing the mark and DeSantis has missed it and of course in response to that press conference well multiple historians have stepped up and they've given a fact check on these fallacies for example uh, professor karen wolf she focuses on the study of 18th century british american history at brown university said this the idea of natural rights didn't originate with the American revolutionaries. They were reflecting ideas that were widespread among political thinkers. Perhaps most obviously, the 17th century English political philosopher, John Locke. Yeah, that's right. Also, in regards to when the government addressed slavery, Wolf also explained that the United States as a government did not act against slavery in any form until 1807, prohibition of the Atlantic slave trade, and acted in key ways to protect it right up to the Civil War with the Fugitive Slave Act. And as far as about the remarks about questioning slavery, well, Wolf would go on to add this. Most egregiously, the idea that no one questioned slavery erases enslaved people themselves who were active in resisting slavery both as individuals and collectively and in refusing the logic and legality of their enslavement. Absolutely, there were Plenty of enslaved people who question slavery, but I'm guessing DeSantis wants to erase them from history because why should he acknowledge the existence of them when they weren't wealthy white men? Seth Rockman, also Brown University associate professor who researches slavery economics, well, he also went and corrected the record on the remarks. He said this When DeSantis says no one, he pretends that enslaved African and African descended people aren't worth taking seriously as people whose opinions about slavery might matter then or now. The slaves who staged massive revolts in New York, South Carolina and other mainland colonies throughout the colonial era, were, were they not questioning slavery? Exactly. It seems like plenty of people were questioning slavery. They're just individuals that DeSantis doesn't want to acknowledge our people. And he doesn't want to today either. We can tell very much by how he lives his life, what he does and his politics, Jessica. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy that he says when we realize that everyone was created equal under the eyes of God, as if that was a realization the moment the founders were drafting our founding documents, when Washington, Madison, and Jefferson were all slave owners. When they wrote all men are created equal, they meant precisely white male landowners. They were not talking about women, they were not talking about people of color, they were certainly not talking about what black people are talking about slaves. And DeSantis is the the same kind of person who believes that people who are black are less than human because as these professors have pointed out who understand history, there were people who were vehemently against slavery from the moment they were kidnapped from Africa. It's clear as day and this analysis that we cannot judge history with present day morals is insane. 
Because there were people who were alive then, people who were taken as slaves, who absolutely understood how disgusting and wrong this was. Not to mention there were people like John Brown who were fighting as well. And it's a crisis what DeSantis is doing with public education in Florida, because by fighting critical race theory, he's truly fighting a teaching of accurate history. So that's disgusting and that's insane. Because when you have someone like DeSantis who's saying, instead of having teachers being in schools, people who have gotten their certification, who understand how to communicate ideas to young people and ensure that they learn things and hold a classroom. There is a new piece of legislation in Florida that's going to allow ex-military officials without the same training to become teachers in these schools. What kind of teaching do you think they're going to be doing? The yes. same kind of teaching that's aligned with exactly how he's governing in his speeches here. Exactly, the ignorant truth that they want, the lies that they want in order to manipulate how people will remember others as well as how they will reflect on the obstacles that are placed in front of people that still are a legacy of slavery. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're Back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man button in my life. Yeah, okay, that is in fact a criminal offense. Now here's the thing, arguments happen, disagreements will take place. You may order something, the order is wrong. Maybe a worker is not paying attention to you, you gotta get their attention, whatever it may be, okay? It happens, it's life. But engaging in this kind of behavior beyond the argument is why you are on indisputable. Here's the part I really don't like when people do things like that. They are doing it because they realize that somebody in that establishment they have to now clean it up. And this is basically, this is akin to somebody maybe throwing something on the ground and saying, clean it up. Because they look at individuals who work in service related industries as a lower status than they are. Remember, this is a lot, this has a lot to do with status dynamics connected to the Karens we cover. I don't like this particular move. We've seen it many times by many Karens. When they don't get their way, or they feel as if they're losing the argument, they decide to start throwing merchandise on the floor, or they will break things in protest. Well, that is because they are saying, you're gonna have to clean this up, not me. Okay, well, that's fine. Now, you've been highlighted on this show. So Karen, you're gonna have to clean this up. It's not on me, it's on you. There you have it. Thoughts here. No, I completely agree with you. When these people don't end up getting their way, they engage in this behavior. And it's the whole, well, let me try to one up you, put you in your place, remind you that you have to clean this up and that I can just walk away. And so having to deal with the consequences of being put on blast is so incredibly important. Because these people out here trying to maintain this persona of being a decent person, when they are caught on camera engaging in these antics, they have to then defend and explain why they decided to be utterly toxic in this public establishment when they could have just walked away, not taken it personally and not acted up. But they opted to engage in these antics and they should have to defend them. Well said.
And speaking of slavery and also schools, there's a California high school that has canceled the remainder of its football season now after members of the team were filmed enacting a quote unquote prank that really just appeared to be a slave auction. Watch. Yeah, this happened at River Valley High School and that's in Yuba City. Now the Unified School District Superintendent Doreen Asami responded in a written statement. Said this at per CNN, the students involved in the unfortunate and extremely distressing incident were barred from competing the rest of the football season for violating the student athlete code of conduct, Usami said. Because of this, the varsity football team no longer has enough members to play and the rest of the season has been forfeited. Usami added that some students may face disciplinary consequences as a result of the video and the school will also implement education honest, open discussions and instructions around racism. Yeah, and the thing is that this isn't necessarily something new. We've seen this at a lot of schools across the country where these kids think it's completely and totally acceptable. For example, last Oregon or last last year in Oregon, parents at Newburgh High School, they found that some of their kids were either participating in or targeted by a social media group chat that was called slave trade, which joked about how much participants would pay for their black classmates in a slave auction. A similar incident happened at Alito High School in Texas where students also created a social media group called the N-Word Auction, pretending to auction off their black peers. And some educators have gotten in the action. Back in 2019, a teacher at an elite private school in New York was fired after holding mock slave auctions in fifth grade classes, placing black students in imaginary shackles. The auction simulated the black students being sold like slaves to their white counterparts. It really shows us that some people are well aware of what slavery was, but they just do not care. They don't know or they don't fully appreciate or give a damn about the degradation, about the rape, the abuse, the torment, the lives that were destroyed and how some of the consequences of slavery are still very much felt today. That legacy continues and they yet continue a legacy of hate by way of these reenactments. It's, it's incredibly disgusting and I'd like to think that if they truly taught students what slavery really looked like, uh, that there wouldn't be these auctions out there because people would know how incredibly disgusting, dehumanizing and offensive slavery was as an institution. Jessica. Yeah, absolutely, it, that's why I think the punishment here for these players really needs to be relevant to precisely what they did because an unintended consequence of this is now the black members of that sports team are not gonna be able to play a season, right? If you're counting on your football career to be your ticket into college, if you enjoy playing football, guess what? Now you can't play a season. And so now they're being punished for the behavior of their ignorant teammates. I really think when we look at this from a perspective of restorative justice, what would be relevant would be mandatory education on the history of slavery. They should have to stay after school, the members of the team that decided to make this TikTok and do this thing, because that would be the thing that addresses the root cause of the problem, which is their ignorance about slavery, so much so that they're willing to make a joke out of it. Yeah, and it shows you that they either don't know or they are incredibly disturbed individuals. Either way, we got a problem. And we also got to take a break. So as Dr. Ritchie says, stick and stay.
Welcome back to Indisputable. It's Adrian Lawrence, and we are in the final stretch. So let's hear from you all. All right. So the comments in the super chat activity: January sixth, defendants not liking their conditions. Well, Lauren Dobson says grant their requests in terms of going to Guantanamo Bay. I would love that. That would be amazing. And if we could make it like a reality TV show, maybe have Netflix produce it. I, that would really bring me joy. Uh, Lynn says, how about if the J6 defendants get transferred to Rikers? Oof, that might be a death sentence. Uh, for Mickey C, the silverhead dragon, uh, Mickey C says, I agree with those whiners. Release the Muslims still at Gitmo who have still not been tried after 20 years. So send those fake triads to Gitmo and do what we did with those innocent Muslims, pretend they no longer exist. I, I, I appreciate that. Bittersweet Dragon says, let him find out. Absolutely. As far as DeSantis getting roasted for the remarks about slavery, well, Marina McElroy Green says, OMG, Florida kids are going to be taught to be racist AF. Yeah, if they're not already, but for real. Descendant or, or dissident, excuse me, PM says, another divergence of the language of the right wing. Accurate means complies with my confirmation bias and racism. We are using the same words, but we're beginning to speak different languages. Absolutely. East Village Boy says our second president was a slavery abolitionist lawyer. They always knew slavery was bad, you damn right they did. As far as the high school football team having their season canceled for their slave auction. Well, Neon Death 07 says, how about will face punishment? Yeah, for real. Jax Drax says, imagine the hypocritical uproar if it were black students auctioning off white students, but that would not actually happen. Yeah, some people really like to, you know, continue to engage in oppression. So, Mr. Boonman says, "Why aren't you talking about slavery? I've never owned a slave. This proves they would if they could." Yes, you're absolutely right about that. Travel Nurse Dragon says, "Years ago, all of our football players were sold at a slave auction to raise money for the team at our small all-white high school. Sadly, we didn't think anything of it. Thankfully, I'm older and wiser now. Yes, and I'm very grateful that you can see that that was problematic, so not to replicate that kind of behavior moving forward." And speaking of problematic, well, we are finding out more information now that the FBI is releasing some of its investigatory behaviors and practices for years. Well, for decades, the FBI collected information about the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. They were using false phone calls, surveillance, infiltration, everything that they wanted. Highly placed sources tracking her ongoings. And Franklin's FBI file, it's some 270 pages long, peppered with phrases like black extremists, pro-communist, hate America radical, radical violence and militant black power. And overflowing with suspicion about the singer, her work and the other activists and entertainer with whom she spent time. Now the FBI monitored Franklin's interactions with other civil rights leaders. Franklin's work on behalf of civil rights and her association with Martin Luther King Jr., Angela Davis and other social justice revolutionaries became a preoccupation of the FBI with the singer's addresses, phone numbers and activities regularly tracked by agents according to the documents obtained by Rolling Stone. Now among those documents that were obtained is a 1968 document discussing funeral plans for MLK Jr calling it a racial situation. It further notes Sammy Davis Jr, which is Aretha Franklin of this group. Some have supported militant black power concepts. Performance at MLK Memorial by these prominent entertainers would provide emotional spark, which could ignite racial disturbance in this area. 
But of course, the FBI could find no evidence of Aretha Franklin being an extremist. Probably because she was a singer and she happened to also be a black woman who liked to use her voice to help elevate black people given the oppressions in our society. Yeah, exactly. This also per Rolling Stone. The FBI, the agency also tried and failed to connect Franklin to the Black Liberation Army and other so-called radical movements. In one case, the FBI detailed her 1971 contract with Atlantic Records just in case agents could link Franklin's business dealings to the Black Panther Party. Despite the four decades of surveillance and hundreds of pages of notes, the Bureau ultimately never discovered anything linking Queen of Soul to any type of extremist or radical activities. Yeah, the FBI. Uh, was tracking uh, a singer, a woman. She's acted in a few movies, movies, but come on. She was an entertainer, but she happened to be a black woman. And the agenda of the FBI monitoring black celebrities, that is nothing new. It's just now we're learning the depth of it. So also this, from the very early days of the civil rights movement and through today, the government has been known to keep tabs on prominent black leaders, entertainers and activists and scores of other celebrities involved in the anti-war of social or social justice movements or whom J. Edgar Hoover thought it might be beneficial to collect dirt about. Yeah, that's right, we couldn't just live our lives. The thought that we might actually rise up and fight against the system, rise up and fight against oppression. Even if it's just in terms of fighting in a way that is nonviolent. Speaking up, rising up, thinking better of ourselves and knowing what our worth is and refusing to take less. That was something that was considered an affront to the FBI and also our government. Yes, this is how they treated black people. And this is also how they continue to treat black people. Because if you think they're not still monitoring, you're out of your mind, Jessica. Very clear that the FBI stands for white supremacy and racial capitalism in the United States. And if Aretha Franklin had slightly stronger ties with civil rights leaders at this point in time, there's a good chance she would have been assassinated. The FBI throughout history has had a tendency to assassinate any black leader who is effective on fighting for the liberation of black people. And so black people have never been free in the United States. I wouldn't put it past the FBI if they were still doing this to black leaders today, which is disgusting. But Music is really powerful. What Aretha Franklin did with soul is really powerful. Blues and soul are some of my favorite genres of music because they really communicate in a cathartic way what life is like and what struggle is like. And that's empowering to give people a voice, to have them feel what they're going through and understand that they're not the only ones. And the work of Aretha Franklin was great. I mean, she sung songs like A Change and If I Had a Hammer. She wasn't someone who's afraid to stand up for what she believed in. And of course, that's a threat. To the FBI. And at some point, you've just got to make a decision in your career, which I'm sure Aretha Franklin considered and knew. And it's that, am I going to stand up for what is right? Or am I just going to collect this check and be a celebrity and sing songs you know, about love and not songs that accurately depict what my people go through? And she made the decision to be bold. And I think we're just lucky that the FBI didn't take further action because they very well could have and they have in the past. Yes, without a doubt. And the thing is, is that she was such an uplifting motivator. It's just the system really does its damnedest in order to keep us disenfranchised and to hold us down, as opposed to allowing us to simply liberate ourselves as we've been working to do. And if anybody out there wants to go to Aretha Franklin's song toward this measure, Young, Gifted, and Black is where it's at. And speaking of Young, Gifted, and Black, or wish she was, Kim Kardashian, yeah, has paid 1.26 million to the Securities Exchange. Commission, the SEC, in a crypto promotion. Yeah, 
facing charges for that, went ahead and settled them. And we know this for the New York Times on these charges. The Securities and Exchange Commission announced the $1.26 million settlement Monday morning with a celebrity for not disclosing she had been paid 250 Gs to promote a crypto token sold by Utheran Max. Now, Ms. Kardashian had promoted the crypto product as a good investment on her IG page back in 2021. Last year, a number of celebrities began endorsing crypto assets and commercials. The SEC has warned a number of times that investors should not buy any investment simply because it has the backing of a celebrity. Regulators have a long history of going after paid celebrities and others for not disclosing that they have been compensated for promoting investment products. Now, the SEC chair, Gary Gensler, said in a statement announcing the settlement, which I I'd like to think the SEC considers a big fish, uh, said, quote this, Ms. Kardashian's case also serves as a reminder to celebrities and others that the law requires them to disclose to the public when and how they are paid to promote investing in securities. Yeah, because securities ain't no joke. It's a highly regulated industry. And so if you think you're gonna jump into this crypto game and just start putting things on social media like you may with your little advertisements from other businesses, that is not the case. These regulators will come get you. And we know this for the New York Times that in an Instagram post in 2021, Miss Kardashian began to tell her followers, this is not financial advice, but sharing what my friends have just told me about the Uthern Max token. The SEC has maintained that crypto tokens are investment products subject to its regulatory oversight, as in it's their department. And again, you do not want SEC or its investigators up in your business, but that's what Miss Kardashian got. And so in the Settlement order, the SEC said that she was paid by Uthorn Max through an intermediary. The SEC also said that it gave Ms. Kardashian consideration for cooperating with regulators and that she has continued to cooperate with the investigation. It's my understanding that she paid back the $250,000, so she was divested of any gains that she got, in addition to paying the $1.26 million fine. And that's generally what the SEC will do. And the thing is, I do not believe that Kardashian was looking to commit an offense or a crime in any way. I think she was doing business as regular, which is you know, misrepresenting a situation in order for her to get likes, clicks, gains. The thing is that she needed to do it in compliance with the law. And especially as her she pursues being a lawyer, it can be very difficult to understand what the law is and to follow it exactly, especially if you don't know that the law has certain requirements, which is why Uthorn Max actually should have told her she needed to make sure it was clear that she was being paid. But hey, this is their problems, their business, and now she is $1.26 million at least a little bit less rich. Jessica. Yeah, a lot of people I think will get sticker shock seeing that figure. $1.26 million sounds like a lot of money. Not really for Kim Kardashian, it's 0.072% of her net worth. So she's not hurting too much from this. But this is a huge legal precedent that has implications for the richest man in the world or in the country, Elon Musk, right? So he's being sued in a class action lawsuit regarding Dogecoin. When you have the SEC going after him, really understanding that cryptocurrency is operating like a pyramid scheme and people using their public presence to push investments is not something that is allowed under the law when it comes to the SEC and the ticket on that lawsuit is is much higher. The sticker shock there is 258 billion on the line for Elon Musk regarding what he did with Dogecoin. And Evan Spencer is the class action lawyer that's on the case. And really 
adopting this argument that we see in the Kim Kardashian case as well. That this is a pyramid scheme style push for investment when it comes to cryptocurrency. Because a lot of the people that will invest in cryptocurrencies because celebrities they look up to are investing in it don't have that money to spare. They're seeing this as like a get rich quick kind of a scheme. And it's abusive for people to use their public presence to motivate people who don't have the money to spare to invest in crypto just so these people can collect a check. So this is a super important legal precedent for that upcoming case, which could be huge. And it's so interesting too how the SEC, the commissioner, they're getting involved in putting out these videos and statements in this situation with Kardashian. And I, I think this is a big fish for them, but she is extraordinarily lucky, extraordinarily lucky. The fact that she was paid through an intermediary, it really could have looked like she was trying to misrepresent and that she had done this intentionally. And so any kind of penalties and punishment could have been a lot more than just paying a fine. So she's very fortunate that this ended well, and I'm sure this will signal to other influencers out there who decide to get involved in the crypto world. But I know we are at the end of the show now. Jessica, do you wanna tell the viewers where they can find you? You can find me on Rebel HQ, you can find me on TikTok and Twitter where I post when I'll be going on the shows. I'm on the network a lot. Adrian, can people find you? I am here, you can definitely catch me here a lot of this week, as well as on Rebel HQ. That's right, my segment overruled, I will be dropping videos for a lot this week because things are already getting super wild. But I wanna thank you all for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you again. It's a Tuesday coming up tomorrow, so I will definitely see you then. So no more stick and stay, you go ahead and enjoy the rest of your Monday. Ciao, ciao.